Software licensing is a fact of life in today's market, whether we're using applications from an app store or even hardware that enables our app store applications to get online to the cloud. Is it right that our networks are licensed or is it killing networking in this episode of the on-premise IT podcast? Welcome to the on-premise IT podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, I'm a part of Gestalt IT, and each episode we bring you the perspectives of a group of IT luminaries, real experts in their fields, on a variety of topics that pertain to enterprise IT. And each one of these episodes has a premise, if you will, but we'll get to that in just a second. I'd like to take a moment to introduce our guests before we jump into that, starting with Nick. Hi, I'm Nick Braulio. Uh, I've been doing networking for longer than I care to admit at this point, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Lindsay Hill, uh, probably been around about as long as Nick, I think, for a fair while. It's a lot of networking, a lot of different places, but very much enjoying networking at a large gaming company right now. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Let's jump into the premise for today's episode. Now, it used to be that you could buy a networking appliance and everything you needed was right there. All of the features were turned on. You could play with them to your heart's content. Then a few years ago, someone said, well, what if I could make you pay for all of those things? And somehow that's morphed into this idea that the hardware should almost be free. It's the licensing for that hardware that you really should be paying for. And our models have moved away from all-in-one, all-you-can-eat, to charging you for every little olive that you put on your salad plate. And honestly, licensing is ruining networking. So who wants to jump in and tell me that I'm right or wants to argue? I'm always up for arguing, but I do actually think that it has become, but I do agree that licensing has become a sort of artificial impediment that, um, you know, from a technical perspective, there's, I can't think of a reason for it. Um, mostly because again, as I said, I've been around longer than I care to admit back when I started, you just bought the gear and you did the things. Um, and if you needed different features, you put different software load. Um, and as long as you had support or access to the, you know, the, uh, the, the firmware, it was a non-issue, right? So they shifted from, you know, some companies would allow you to just get the software. Um, it was publicly available. Some required you to have, you know, like a, a support contract, one kind or another that allowed you for software updates that were, maybe uh, different than like security patches, which were typically just available because it's greater good to, we'll just put all the stuff in it. And um, if you want to use these things, you have to pay to turn them on. Although I think in the middle there, there was a brief blink of an eye where you could get the things and you could just turn them on and there weren't any licenses to be had around that. You know, you, they just worked. And they all happen to be in, in, for the most part, in the firmwares. Uh, one thing I was just thinking about was, yeah, there was this history where net, with network gear, we could turn on just everything was there when you turned it on. It's all great, fine. But I did a lot of work with Checkpoint early in my career and everything was licensed fully then. And that was you know, 20 plus years ago. Uh, so, and that was, we'll call it network adjacent, you know, so you know it's not it's it's not completely unknown it's just different 
different parts of the industry, different vendors have implemented it differently over the years. But I guess the thing is that now is it pretty much everyone's like, hey, we've got to, got to get that rev recurring revenue, got to get that model, got to get that, got to show that we're a software company, even though we, even though we only ship hardware and you can only run our software on our hardware, but you know, but we're a software company. So you should treat our share price with a earnings multiplier like that, right? Right? So let me let me throw a little monkey wrench in here, and it has to do with resource tracking. Because one of the things that we've dealt with over the years is these little hidden things that occur in operating systems that we have no idea about. And I've always had this little pet theory that every undocumented command in some operating system was actually a million dollar feature request that if that feature wasn't included in the base operating system for free, that sale wouldn't have happened. And that's how you create feature creep over years. But more importantly, there are a lot of solutions that get implemented that are never utilized at all. We don't have any stats about who's using them. Whereas if those are licensed features, even if the license fee is very minuscule, it allows the company to track what is being used and appropriately assign resources, whether it be money or developer time, to making those resources better, growing them and things like that. So could the licensing model really be more of a usage tracking model? That that so uh, I spent a few years working as a product manager and that that actually gave me a bit of a an insight into what's going on there. And, and that's just one of those challenges. If you just ship hardware and it's got a whole lot of potential features, you don't really know what people have turned on. The best you can do is look at, say, the the TAC cases that you get logged, go through those, try and analyze what features are enabled. But it still doesn't really tell you what's going on. And and yeah, it is, it is important from a business point of view. You've got to say, hey, if I want to develop this thing, Who's going to pay for it? It's going to it's a non-zero cost to it. Some people are like, oh, but I brought this hardware. It's, it should be able to do everything. So yeah, sure, okay. But ninety percent of people need the the basic feature set. There's ten percent of people need those advanced features, and they really they value those features and they're willing to pay for them. So from a product management point of view, when you think about how do I price things, you're going okay. Well, do I charge everyone a flat rate? And so the 90%, most of those customers who don't need those features have to pay for the development of them. Or do I try and differentiate it somehow and say, okay, the people that really value those things, I'm going to charge them extra so I can do it. And it's, that's, I can, like, I, I can cope with that from a, hey, you know, how do I spread out my development costs? Do I, is it even? Do I charge people who want it more and more? How do I do that? I, I, I get it. Um, probably, the honestly, the biggest issue I have with licensing is is less about that it exists and more that the actual implementation, the management, the overhead of dealing with it all, that's where the real pain comes from. It's it's not about the, you know, okay, I brought a box in the past, I buy a box for $50,000 and now I buy a box for $30,000 and I spend $10,000 a year on licenses. Okay, wait, hang on. I'm spending more money now. That's not great. But, you know, um, but from a pricing point of view, it's like, yeah, yeah, is that okay? Maybe, yes, I don't know. Do I charge more people? I don't know, man. Like, But like I said, the problem for me is more about now I've got to track these things. I've got to manage them. I've got to try. I've got to do my best to stay compliant. So we we put a lot of effort into 
trying to tally up where are we at with our license usage. We do our best to make sure we buy the right licenses. I mean, we, my company, we develop IP. So, you know, it's, we, we're not in the business of, of trying to get away with trying to use things we shouldn't. We absolutely want to have the right things. But it's really, really hard to say, can I say with hand on heart, I'm completely compliant? Well, no, because it's really hard to track it all. I'm doing my best, but it's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy and it's it's money on my side. Yeah, I think so. I, I've seen over my career the rise and fall of multiple um, companies, you know, and they, they all tend to follow a similar wave, right? You have, we're building customer base. And so we will have, you know, feature requests that we'll implement if you buy X, Y, and Z. And they're very responsive. They get the features in. It might be something special. It might not be. Depends on what it is, right? Like back, you know, to, to go back to something I always talk about, I used to always request IPv6 support, right? For a while, that was considered like fringe, edge case, niche stuff, right? Now, yeah, right now it's just part of, you know, the, you know, it's the current protocol. So it's included in not as many things as it should be, but it's included now, right? There was, there have been more, multiple vendors that I've dealt with where that was a licensed option that you had to pay for. You've got this, this curve uh, that we talked about of, you know, products, features get added and then, you know, they may or may not get used. You got to figure out how to track those things. And, you know, I would assert that, yes, there's an easy way to do that. And that's to license them. You don't have to, one, you don't have to charge money for it. Two, you can do it in a similar manner to sort of a phone home system that they've, the multiple vendors have tried to do this, you know, off and on over the years, usually without success. But I would assert that Lindsay's right. Tracking those things, the, the money is for smaller, uh, you know, organizations paying for the licenses is probably the impediment, right? It's do you, you have to really figure out if you need this feature or if you just think you do, right? However, for those that actually need the feature, managing those licenses is very cumbersome. And I'm gonna tell you a story. And the story is again, gonna date me a little bit. In the early nineties, I was in college and I was running a, a, one of the lab systems in the art department that I was in. We had this thing called a key server, right? And Tom, you probably working in, you know, higher ed, know what this is, right? So you buy X amount of licenses for, let's say, Adobe Photoshop 3. You only have these licenses, but you have 40 machines in your lab. You install the key server system on them and it manages the licenses. Now think about that over a wide area network. Think about that from the perspective of, that license server has to be managed by your infrastructure people. That license server probably has some very, you know, specific requirements for when you can upgrade it, how you can upgrade it, how it expects to be installed, how it expects to be secured, that very, very likely does not meet the same support model that you have for all your other systems. Maybe it's a Red Hat machine and you only run Ubuntu. Maybe it's a windows machine and you don't run any windows it's the it's the overwhelming uh burden of managing one-offs that this you know has become i think and that's the pain point the money is just irritating right 
but it's not the problem. It's all the sort of ancillary things that you have to have to actually do it right. That for a small business probably is more than they want to deal with. And for a large business, it's probably overwhelming and easily forgotten. It's one of the things I think about from a vendor point of view is that imagine you're a, let's say you work for Juniper, you're an engineer there, you know, and there's different projects you could work on. There's, let's say there's the latest segment routing features you could be adding to Junos Evo. You could be working on whatever the next platform is going to replace the PTX 10,001, work on some, or you could go and work on the license management system. You know, like, I, you know, like from a vendor point of view, how do you attract good engineers to work on these things? And the reality is, like, it's like I'm I'm sorry to any of the engineers working on these systems, but you know, it's not a top priority for the business. No one, you're not going to invest heavily in it. You know, no one's no one really likes you. Um, so yeah, you end up with these weird license management systems that half work don't quite work there maybe they're weird features like you say they're you know hey this is still this image stuck on red hat six or whatever because well just no one really cares either from the customer side or the vendor side everyone's just like do the minimum you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of whenever you get a hardware product that's developed by an electrical engineer and it's got some kind of firmware and you can tell the electrical engineers remember they write software they're like What's the minimum amount of work I can do to get make this thing work? You know, and if you, you look work on something, you say, "Oh, this is terrible." But a technic, does it tick the box? Yeah, sure, but it's a hassle, it's a pain, and no one cares. No one cares enough to to want to fix it. Um, at a at a high level, the company goes, "Hey, we've we've got a subscription revenue model, we've got software licensing. You know, tick the box, we've done that." But no one really wants to invest in it, and I don't know how you solve that either. Because like I said, would you want to work on those systems? Hell no. I mean, I personally wouldn't. I think about it like an inventory management system because that's really what it is, right? How many places do you know, like how many organizations that aren't vendors, even vendors, how many organizations do you know that have a very robust and probably 90% correct inventory management system? I bet you that number is close to zero. Right. And so a license is just a piece of inventory. It happens to be software. Right. But you have to manage and maintain that. And that's where the burden comes through, at least to me. Actually, I guess for us, like when when I think about from an inventory management point of view, one of the things we have to do with our network vendors is true up what hardware are we still operating and what locations uh, and the software is part of that whole same process. You're, like, you're right. It is just a, it's just another form of inventory, and it's, and it's bloody hard. You know, every year you go, no, we're not using that equipment anymore. We burnt that EX9200 to the ground three years ago, and every year they go, hey, you're still using this thing? You want to pay another hundred thousand a year in support? No. <laughs> so yeah, it's it is. You're right. It's the same kind of thing. It's one of those things where you. Everyone knows you kind of need to do it, but. Well, you uh, hit the nail on the head. No, no one wants to work on those things. I mean, some uh, people do. I'm sure there yeah, are people. I mean, I don't ever want to do that. Right. It's, it's uh, tedious. Like I, so I, I worked with someone the other day. I was shipping some stuff internationally and someone was reviewing the, they tore apart my shipment and fully reviewed all of the pieces of 
and that I had in that shipment. And I had something where I had, I put the wrong vend of some optics or something like that, you know. I said, I, th I looked at it and I thought, that's a person who really quite enjoys their job. They have someone with OCD who enjoys their job. I mean, good on them. They've found something they love doing, going through an, a shipment and matching up every single individual thing. They like it, great. Can I get most people to do that? Yeah, not really. Yeah, you find somebody that likes to do that, you hire them and you never let them leave. Give exactly. them anything they want because that's a unicorn. They're hard to find. I mean, it's hard to find people that like to do stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with those things, mm. right? Yeah. They're just, it, they're not it, shiny, right? Yeah. And most of us as engineers like shiny things. So yeah. let me ask this question because we've talked a lot about, you know, the money aspect of it. We've talked about the, the inventory management system kind of, it, it feels like this is really just a, a way to keep track of things. But more importantly, is this an outgrowth of the fact that we've spent so much time over the last decade focusing users on features in a network and not the way that the network works. I mean, how many times have we debated this, even on this podcast? You know, the network is a utility. We don't need to worry about it anymore. The cloud is the real driver of network traffic, and the cloud is composed of a bunch of applications and features that we need to optimize for. It, are we seeing the fallout from that, you know, usability focus on what we're doing and in order to make sure that we're using it correctly, the organizations that we buy from are saying, no, 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 we have to start charging in packages and not discrete options. Well, I would push back on that. And I've always been one to do that on, the, you know, the cloud is the thing we need to focus on. It's a, th it's a thing, right? A lot of people use it. It's out there. There's lots of traffic goes to and from that. However, how do you get there? How many, how many devices do you pass through to go from your desktop to, you know, cloud provider X, Y, or Z, I would, I would wager that it is on the order of a minimum of 10 minimum, right? Each of those things has a very different category that it lives in. Now I, and Lindsay as well, I think live mostly in the wide area, right? So I think about things in the context of carrier routers and, you know, speeds and feeds and dark fiber and, traffic engineering, right? That's just one category. And you have to have somebody that understands that and what the features are that go with that. And then you have to have someone that understands, you know, the first top AP or switch port or, you know, first top router, security appliance, then, then your aggregation router at the internet provider or pond device or whatever it is. All of those things get hand waved away when pundits talk about, oh, the cloud is all that matters, right? Okay, great. Let me turn off everything in between and see how you like that. Because that's really something that needs to be considered, I think. Yeah, but you're just a transport. Like, I don't, like, if I'm looking at my email or whatever, I don't care about how the traffic gets to Google. Couldn't like it's a it's irrelevant. It's a like from most people's point of view, it's an irrelevant, invisible detail. It's the same as how does my power get from the hydro station to my house? Yeah, there's power lines and whatever. I know it's there, but but it's not to most people. It's not interesting, and the value is not there. It's not interesting to some people until a tree falls on that power line, and then you don't have it anymore, or your toilet backs up and it has nowhere to go. That becomes interesting really, really fast at that point. And so I think that hand-waving around those things does everybody a disservice. But at the same time, 
what features that we have in modern networking can uh, alleviate those issues? Or do we have to get to a point where we're saying, you know, well, we'll license MLAG on this chassis. So now you can be redundant if you're willing to pay for it. Do you ever see us getting to that point where it's not additional features that we add on to the network that make it nicer, better, um, easier to configure, and we get down to the whole nickel and diming of like, oh, you want the seatbelts in this car to work? That's going to be an extra, you know, $100 a month to make we, those operate. So we kind like, say on, let's say on some of the gear I'm familiar with, we pay licenses for bandwidth today. So basically, as soon as I configure a port, I need to have that, have that, if that's 100 gig, 400 gig port, whatever it is, I need to have licensing for that capability. So that's not even a feature. That's just a straight, can I pass a packet through this router? Like that's absolute minimal things. It's not, that's not an advanced feature. That's not a make this thing go better or fail over faster or easier to manage or whatever. That's just a simple, does this thing work out of the box without that license? No. Okay. So I've got to, I've got to have it. So we're kind of already at that point. Yeah. And that's, a, and that, that's a fact that, that's a problem that you have to deal with no matter where you sit in that core router. Cause you know, for, you know, for a core internet router, you're thinking 100 and 400 gig ports, right? You're thinking, can I light this uh, DWDM optic? Can I do whatever? But then from the enterprise perspective, you're like, oh, I need to move from one gig to 10 gig cause I'm flatlining. I can't even light this optic up. It won't let me no shut the interface because I have not paid for a 10 gig port on this device right? You get that all the way down to the access layer at that point. And so you're right. It's very much a, it's across the board, first of all. And second of all, it's a problem of fundamental utilization, right? I can't even turn this piece of hardware on. I cannot light this optic because I didn't, I didn't pay the fee. So here's, here's, here's a theory. Here's a theory. If you think about the way, you know, when we used to buy a a 48 port, one gig copper switch, right? So all the ports worked out of the box. In part, that was because there was just a simple RJ45 port, copper connection, nothing fancy. And then we moved to optics and we had all these crazy price vendor optics. And from the vendor's point of view, it was quite good because they were, if you used vendor optics, you were kind of paying a consumption on a consumption model. So, you know, you buy the switch for, let's say, $25,000. And then each port cost me another $1,000 to turn up just as I plug in each of the optics. So it's kind of paying on that consumption model. But then, of course, I said, well, I don't need to buy vendor optics. I can go and buy third-party optics at a quarter of the price. So then the vendors went, oh, oh hang on, hang on. We've got to change your model now. All right, we're just going to charge you for the – we're going to make our optics prices reasonable and we're going to charge you to just to turn up the port. So maybe there's a – and that – Vendors have always wanted to do that, you know, and, and to a degree from a customer point of view, that can be good. You know, if I had to buy a, if I look at something like a PTX 1001, which has 24 by 400 gig ports and 12 by 100 gig ports, not that many people need to fill up all of those ports on day one. So, but if I can give you from a vendor point of view, if I can give you a model where I can say, hey, you can buy this box up front and then basically as you use more of it, pay more, that changes the entry point. It changes the model for a few people. And it's like, it's not terrible, I guess. 
maybe i don't know what am i saying i don't know i i can actually see the other side of that i do understand the perspective because r&d is expensive um software developers are you know good ones are hard to find and you got to pay them and so there is an overhead that is um associated with enabling features and enabling protocols and making things available so i do see the perspective of that and you're right that's a great analogy of moving the optic cost to the port right or else you you have to pay to enable third-party optics or you know they're just all they're doing is shifting the costs around a little bit i think sure sure and they sh i mean and you know they're a vendor that's their model and and i can't fault them for that right i think the thing that the thing that irks me the most isn't that it exists it's that it seems to be bolted on right i understand that people need to they need to be paid for good work like no one's no one's saying anything otherwise but i think that in many cases not all but in many cases the mechanisms for supporting those models are thrown together and you know cause more than just the cost of the license like i said the cost of the license is minimal usually unless you're smaller and you you know sort of have to punch up a weight class but like managing those things is an fte if you're big right it's probably an fte and that is a, an enormous cost to you know for a especially a small to mid-sized company to to absorb and so what happens is typically it doesn't happen like they just don't have a person to manage those things and so it's it's very haphazard it's very interrupt um driven and reactionary and that just leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth as you can tell, the licensing discussion is a bit more complicated than it's just simple right or wrong. Uh, I would hazard a guess to say that gone are the days of the smorgasbord of all-you-can-eat options. But I also think that the current stance of licensing every little feature that we can on a box to try to get revenue streams is also going to go away. Because in the first case, the investors didn't like it when they, we were giving away all of the stuff. But in the current case, the users don't like paying for everything and want to see some kind of a happy medium ground. I don't think licensing is killing networking. I think it's definitely making it a lot harder to do our jobs. But what I think will ultimately happen, just like has happened in every other facet that we've seen, is that eventually the technology will win out and the money makers will figure out a different way to get paid. That'll just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. I want to thank our guests for joining in. Uh, you can find a new episode about every two weeks on our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe in your favorite podcast application of choice or check us out on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash video. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another great episode, uh, another interesting premise to debate if you would like to learn more about what we do here, head over to gestaltit.com for show notes and lots of other cool information. Until then, see you next time.